This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal-Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. It's David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Uh, A quick announcement at the top. Normally around this time of year, we take a bit of a break over the holiday season. But on account of the fact that I have such a huge archive of stuff to get through, I am here to give you the Wolf of Wall Street speech. I'm not fucking leaving. No, uh, you are not getting rid of me this holiday period all through December and all through January. I am planning to put up new episodes of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands because there is plenty more where this came from. So please stick around and please check them all out because I am super, super stoked on them. Today is no exception. Today we have the love incredibly talented Miss Georgia Mooney. You would probably know Georgia as one quarter of all our exes live in Texas, the ARIA award-winning bluegrass folk vocal harmony group. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe them, but they are a bloody great band. Uh, But Georgia has been doing a bunch of solo stuff more recently, uh, as well as being the uh, host and the leader of the Giant Dwarf Show Supergroup, which is where she gets together with a bunch of other singer-songwriters, and uh, they all share stories and songs and everything in between. That is going to be a monthly thing at Giant Dwarf from here on out. So we got together to talk about that, her time in All Our Exes, her time uh, touring solo alongside people like Passenger, uh, her time over in Perth, and more or less everything in between. This was a really, really fun one. Uh, Georgia is a very bright and polite and lovely, lovely lady, so I am so stoked that we were able to make this one happen. A big thank you to Mitch Fresta over at SGC Media for setting this up and pitching uh, Georgia as a guest for the podcast. I was so stoked to have her on and so stoked that Mitch was able to uh, make this one happen for us. Also, a big thank you to Mr. Ewan Bertwell for the audio assistance, uh, helping to edit and get the sound just right on this bad boy. Uh, If you would like a little bit of Georgia Mooney in your life and you happen to be in Sydney around the 21st of September, that is when the next edition of Supergroup will be going down at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Redfern. The special guest for that show will be Mr. Phil Jamison, Mr. Davey Lane, and Olympia. So, the four of them will be locking their heads together and seeing what they come up with. It should be a very fun, very entertaining evening. Tickets are on sale now. If you head over to giantdwarf.com.au, you can get your tickets from there. 
Uh, also, if you're listening to this the day it comes out and you would like a little bit of Georgia in your life, then tune in to Double J because for the next week up until next Friday the 13th, uh, Georgia is going to be the host of Double J Mornings from 9am weekdays. So uh, that is uh, your chance to get your Georgia fix this month, uh, listening to Double J every morning from 9am weekdays and also the 21st of December at the Giant Dwarf for the next edition of Supergroup. Before we get into this week's episode, a reminder as always that this podcast is made possible with the help, the love and the support of people like yourself. If you are enjoying this podcast and you Uh, would like to help out in some way, shape, or form, Uh, leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts is massively, massively appreciated. Uh, You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you get your podcasts from, you can find us there. And you can subscribe to your heart's content so you get everything directly to you the second it gets uploaded. If you would like to take that even further and support this podcast financially, then you can do so by supporting me, David James Young, over on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you will get access to bonus content like playlists, album reviews, uh, bonus interviews, uh, features opinion editorials, behind-the-scenes stuff from all over the place. You basically have a AAA pass to everything that I'm doing as a writer, as a musician, and as a podcaster. Of course, we couldn't do what we do here at Bar Bands HQ if it wasn't for the support of our absolutely bloody legendary patrons. So... At the start of every month, I'd like to give them a big old shout-out, which is what I'm going to do right now. A huge thank you to Amy Gray, Vinaya Colbin, Blake Hennequin, Chris Bowden, Dave McCarthy, David Beckett, David Armstrong, Eleanor Shepard, Elliot J. O'Neill, Eloise Young, Jeremy Dillon, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Katie Beashaw, Liam Sherlaw, Mark Wilson, Mary Gleason, Matthew Lynch, Patty Abelos, Paul McWhorter, Cian Benacuti, Spencer Scott, Tanya Taylor, and Will McDougall. If you would like to join this list of absolute certifiable legends, then you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash David James Young, and we can take it from there. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash David James Young. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can do so at barbandspod at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for guests, if you have any uh, inquiries about advertising on this podcast, if you have anything you would like to get plugged on this podcast, we are open for business, so please hit me up. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's cross now to my chat with the absolutely delightful Georgia Mooney. Hi, 
everyone, I'm David Jamesong, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Georgia Mooney. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you for asking. Excellent. It's a lovely day here <laughs> in Newtown. Goodness me, it's a gorgeous day. The sound of, sound of coffee grinding in the yes, background. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Every, I think everyone in Newtown owns a cafe. Now. <laughs> I think that's the law. Wow, mine yeah. should be coming in the post yes, any indeed. minute. <laughs> Hopefully. Be nice to how, have how a business. Long, yeah, how long have you been here? <laughs> um, a long time. Years. Yeah. Maybe eight years. Just in just in line. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know uh, a couple of uh, your bandmates have lived uh, around this area in particular. Yeah, well, we've kind of all been in and out of Newtown. Newtown was kind of... That where we first started, really. Yeah. We had rehearsals in my house in Church Street, just mm-hmm. over there next to the park. Yeah, we've all kind of skipped around all over the place. But now two of them have betrayed us and gone to Melbourne. Oh, true, yeah. Which is rude. And one of them is now living in Thoreau. So yes, it's only indeed. me who's left in Sydney. Only where I live, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Lani and I will see each other on a train fairly frequently. It's, really? It's, it's quite funny. Oh, yeah. that's nice. She's, she's, she's the best. <laughs> she's she's pretty cool lady. <laughs> yeah, and I think she loves being by the sea. Of not course. that this isn't by the sea, sort of, but, you know, <laughs> not quite as much. No, you can't quite see it from Newtown. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't. You have to be a very tall building yeah, you, with a very good set of eyes. Yeah. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. You might see a seagull. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe not even. Just to say. Yeah. Okay, fine. This is not seaside. Not quite. <laughs> we live in hope, though. <laughs> Give it time. Climate change will. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> oh, dear. So I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to clicking over where it was, this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play instruments. I want to be a musician. Like, uh, Can you tell mm. me about how music factored into your childhood and your upbringing and if there was kind of a, a switch-on moment for you where it's just like, this is this is what I'm going to do. That's a good question. Um, well, I kind I'm not really sure if I even still know. <laughs> no, that's not true. I definitely was always singing and dancing as a kid, probably really annoying. Did lots of musicals and choirs and um, my mum had really great taste in music, so she used to play Joni Mitchell and Beatles and all the, all the great records. Yeah. But I was very shy kid so I kind of I I knew that I wanted to be a singer slash dancer of course because everyone was a slashy in year four I remember (laughs) I was really clueless about how it worked and I remember asking my mum when I was 15 if I could have singing lessons and she finally said yes and then I said do you think that then at the end of the year that means I'll get a record deal like I thought that that was a logical next step that your singing teacher got you a record deal (laughs) after a few weeks (laughs) isn't that so mental so <laughs> that didn't happen. So I got, yeah, and that was sort of through school, was doing lots of music, but I used to make my family leave the house if I wanted to practice because I was just, I was just too embarrassed. You're a diva. <laughs> I know. I don't think I was being a diva so much as just cripplingly shy, even oh. in front of my own family. Yeah, yeah. But actually, now that you say that, it is quite deverish yeah. behaviour to d- demand. I need my entire private dressing room, which is the <laughs> yeah. house. I need my space. But then I've, I found out that you could 
study music at university, so I was like, well, I'm doing that. There was a contemporary music course at WAPA in Perth, and so, yeah, I kind of just set my sights on that. Yeah, didn't know how songs were written. I thought that you just sort of potentially had a magical power and you sat at the piano and your fingers would just move to the right place. It took me a while. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Well, it's much harder work than that, maybe for some people. (laughs) Then, yeah, started uni, and I guess eventually once I started my first gigs, I I maybe maybe thought, oh, this could be a thing. Mm. But I didn't have any ideas of what else I could do. So I guess in a way I always thought it was a thing, but don't know. Where did you grow up? In Sydney, in Barara. For our waters up near the Hawkesbury. Uh huh. Yeah, yep, in the bush. So, was that a kind of thing where that'd be relatively isolated? Like, I can't imagine it would have been like super easy to get straight down to Sydney and go to shows and stuff like that. No, it was, it, yeah, it t- takes an hour on the train. Yeah, I did kind of keep across shows a bit. I, my friends and I used to sometimes wag school and go to shows. We wag school and went to a Ben Lee concert. Oh, yes! <laughs> In year nine or something, which is pretty funny. That's so sick. <laughs> See, Benley. Oh, yeah. Um, that would have been like what? Breathing tornadoes or like Hey You, Yes You? How, how long ago was this? Oh God, I can't remember. Or maybe it was just around the time of Awake as the New Sleep. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, and we were obsessed with Claire Bowditch and Sarah Blasco and still all the singer songwriter oh, ladies like that. Kidding me? Yeah, they're heaven. Oh, they're the best. <laughs> They are the best. I was in, I was definitely into music at school. Yeah, of course. But still painfully shy. So you said you went to uni in Perth? Went to uni in Perth, yeah. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a fucking hell of a sea change. It was, <laughs> yeah, it's a different sea altogether. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I told my parents I wanted to go and I still hadn't let them hear me sing so they just sort of were very trusting and were like oh well she wants to go to music school who knows if she's got any great talent but <laughs> off you pop um so one way to find out, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. but yeah so I moved over there when I was 19 and stayed for five years it was great yeah I've got right. a soft spot for Perth sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So you hadn't even performed live at this point I performed once at the school talent quest <laughs> And I sang a George song. Oh, special ones? <laughs> um, breathe in now. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Anyth- anything off Polly Serena. Like, oh, oh, heaven. Are you kidding me? I know. Definitely couldn't really hit the high notes. But um, came oh, second. Yeah. That's all right. I can't. Hey, that's something. <laughs> the guys who came first, they were really. They did a stacking cups routine, which <laughs> which beat my Ultimately, rendition. Like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> they were really good at stacking cups, so that's fine. That's fair enough. Have you met Katie Noonan since? Yeah, yeah, lots of times. She's she's lovely. Yeah. You never get over that, do you? Like, it's always in the back of your head. It's just like, I fucking idolised you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sang your songs at the Talent Quest. Yeah. And I sang Claire Bowditch songs for the HSC and things like that. So, yeah, it is, it is funny now knowing most of those people. And, yeah, sometimes I've admitted to them that I did their songs at school and then oh, other times try to act cool. You yeah. know how it goes. <laughs> just like, keep it together, keep yeah. it together. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to gush, right? You're just like, I, I need to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. That's very nice. I think it's a special thing. I think so too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so high school ends, you go to Perth, you are studying music there. Mm-hmm. 
How early on, like, are you kind of figuring out, okay, so this is it now. Like, I'm going to start playing music. I'm going to start writing my own songs. Like, were you doing any of that stuff or was it just, like, just studying music? I was starting to write my own songs. I'd I'd worked out that if you wanted to write a song, you had to make a decision on the piano about which which notes to play. Well, it didn't just come to you and then your magical hands would move. So songwriting was kind of an element of the course the contemporary music course and so I had to do some and then one of the teachers actually she had a night a songwriters night that she used to put on at the Ellington Jazz Club and so I kind of did my first gig there and it went really well and then I just sort of started to write sort of you know one song every couple of months and then go back and I had a set of, you know, four songs that I could play and then then I had a set of five and then... um, but it probably, um, I remember the third, I think the third gig that I ever played, I was opening for Passenger. Oh, shit. Like, contextually now, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, that's a fucking huge deal. But at the time, he would have just been the busker from overseas, right? Yeah, it was just, yeah. And he was playing at the Ellington, so a nice little venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd, he was, I mean, I guess he, he had a reasonable following and he was amazing. But I was terrified to do, it was kind of my first proper show show. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we got along really, really well. And then after that, he asked me to come and do a few more shows on that tour and really encouraged me to record an EP. And so yeah. kind of was the first, kind of, yeah, was the first person who maybe gave me enough courage to actually go out there and start doing things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what were you playing on stage? Like, were you playing piano? Were you playing guitar? Like Playing piano, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that how all of the songs you're writing were typically starting? Or? Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. you play a few instruments, don't you? Well, yeah, jack of all trades, master, master of none. Yeah. <laughs> I've always played piano and studied classical piano and things, but it wasn't until we started Exodus that I, pi- I bought a mandolin about three weeks before our first gig and, and then just sort of <laughs> fumbled away. I, l- I learned the bare minimum that was required for the five songs we were playing on that particular show (laughs) and then I sort of yeah again like learned one at a time per show (laughs) and have been trying to learn ever since but it's quite hard (laughs) now I also play the dulcimer that's my new favorite oh true it's so beautiful and I won one in a raffle what I know (laughs) I know what kind of a raffle yeah that's a weird (laughs) was that an RSL or like (laughs) no it was the National Folk Festival so it was on Uh, brand it wasn't like a particularly hipster yeah. RSL yeah. <laughs> meat tray alternative. Yeah. It's a good consolation prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How do you play that? It's it's with am I remembering right? Is it with a hammer or uh, some people play them with hammer. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you can also just strum and pluck away. Yeah. It's actually really easy and I don't – I kind of want to keep it quiet because it's so easy and it sounds so beautiful that I'm like, <laughs> why, aren't, <laughs> why aren't more people playing this? It's heaven, but I want it to be my thing, so don't tell anyone. Fine. Secret <laughs> is safe with me. Thank you. And the dozens of people who listen to this podcast. So you are – you're in the clear, mate. You're all good. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> no, it's very beautiful. Yes, indeed. Uh, so when do you move back from Perth? Five years later. Yeah, moved back. Dropped out of uni. Dro- but you weren't done after five years? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I did the first course was two years, and then I decided to do to study jazz, which was three years. But I right. dropped out in at the end of second year because right. I was like, oh, this is enough, and um, I wanted I well, want to sing folk songs. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> With jazz, it's it's about the degrees you're not finishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's the notes you don't play very well done, very well done. Um, so yeah, dropped out of jazz because I was it was really hard, and I just wanted to play gigs and kind of yeah was still was doing a bit more touring and getting asked to do more shows. So I kind yeah. of was like, oh well, I don't need this music degree. <laughs> what kind of tours were you doing, like? Uh yeah, that's a huge thing for like some, someone in their early 20s to be able to like travel around and be playing their own music. Yeah, I, I sort of got really lucky. was still... Mike Passenger yeah, came yeah. back a few times and so I would go on tour with him and then I was he doing... He lived here for a while, didn't he? Yeah, 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 in Sydney. And then I did a few shows with Matt Corby. Ah, uh, yes. That was really lovely. Australian Idol Zone. Yep, <laughs> just before. I remember we did shows... Before brother and then after brother, and it was a, it was a fascinating <laughs> <Slide job>. insight <laughs> into the power of the hottest one hundred. Oh yes, yeah. So I kind of just yeah somehow got really lucky and got all these beautiful support shows that kind of fed me enough. Yeah, spiritually. <laughs> How do you handle that? Like obviously in the last couple of years, like the audiences shifted somewhat where like you know people know who you are and people come to see you play whether it's just by yourself or exes and stuff like that but at this point like you are primarily playing to crowds that have no idea who you are like yeah does having that in your mind change the way that you perform like contextually hmm that's a really good question I think I personally love support gigs where you don't know the audience because I mean for starters, you don't have to worry about selling tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you only play for half an hour. It's like on and off. You get to go home at 8.30 if you really want to. But yeah. that, no, it's quite bad manners. But um, <laughs> um, it's like a nice early night. But no, I, I really enjoy the, the feeling of trying to win over a room. Yeah. I think on the one hand, it's really nice because you're gifted an audience to play to. But on, yeah. on the other hand, it's like they're, they're not there to see you. <laughs> they're there to see the next <laughs> person. Yeah. And um, it's, it's nerve wracking because you yeah. really don't know if they're going to, if they're going to like it. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about X's, I think, because like all of you had been doing the the solo things to you know varying degrees of success for a while, but mm-hmm. then you know this Voltron, this kind of w- with the powers combined, <laughs> it was just like all of you like hit this new level of success that none of you had hit previously. And it was, yeah. like, like I can imagine having that kind of take off the way that it did would have been like kind of like like a huge change and like a lot to kind of adjust to. Yeah, it was really exciting and I think definitely having each other to hold on to was yeah. really valuable because I think that was the biggest thing I noticed was how much more relaxing it was to go on stage when you've got three of your best mates next to you. Totally, yeah. We were really lucky with exes because initially it just started as a one-off thing that, that that our friend, you know, suggested. We yeah. didn't even think of. I mean, we're like, oh, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, we could do that. And, yeah, sure, we, we'll find five songs. We only had a 20-minute set or something. And then, yeah, the next gig, someone 
asked us to play and then we got asked to play another thing and then another thing and we're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I guess this could be, you know, a side project. And then we're like, we're still doing our other things, okay. And then it just kind of got busier and busier and then, yeah, eventually to the point where we're like, okay, well, maybe maybe no solo projects for a while. (laughs) This is this is enough. Yeah, and and kind of particularly with Exus, we've really got lucky with getting support gigs and support yeah. tours. We did a whole bunch of them, particularly in the early days, which were really interest random combinations of artists and also yeah. really kind of unexpectedly big artists or mm. yeah. So it was it, that was that was pretty awesome. What do you remember about the first Exodus show? I remember <laughs> we were wearing really silly like kind of prairie costumes. <laughs> <laughs> And we were so stressed because, yep, all of us had not really played our instruments for very long. Right. And oh, we did a cover of a Muppet song, actually. That's the thing oh they probably remember most. We did a cover of a Muppet song where we turned around and then we turned back around and we had beards on. So we, like, wore these fake beards and we uh-huh. sang I Am My Own Grandpa, which is a really great song. Fuck yeah. That is a banger. <laughs> it's a banger. There's actually video footage of that gig that, uh, hopefully it remains locked in my computer and not on the internet but because it, it's pretty loose <laughs> but silly yeah and so chatty so much talking over the top of one another that like not a single word is understood just incomprehensible nonsense yeah. <laughs> but fun yeah have you found yourself like now that you know kind of access was everywhere for a while you know now that you know things have kind of like settle down at least relatively like Mm -hmm. have you found yourself coming back to your own music and and wanting to kind of explore that again definitely yeah well I've always had in the back of my head that my own stuff was my main passion yeah and it it still is and so kind of between exes tours because it got really busy, like you say. We kind of got to a point where we were touring about nine months of the year, which yeah. was full on. But in the gaps, I would go away and write songs for me. Yeah. yeah, so I've accumulated quite a bunch. And then at the end of last year, we decided we would have a, um, a bit of time off from X's. And so since then, I've kind of been really focusing a lot on getting the solo stuff together and have been making lots of demos and just spent six months in London talking to producers and going to start recording next year. So it's oh, all wow. happening. Yeah. That's so going to be, yep, making an album pretty soon. So that's that's really exciting and also kind of crazy because, the, yeah, the last solo thing I did was in 2012 and, of course... I've got it's all completely different now yeah, so that's that's quite exciting to be able to re-enter the world with really new stuff yeah totally totally so yeah. what what do you feel are like the key differences between like the way that you were writing and like the I guess the stylistic approach of what you were doing back then as opposed to the stuff you've been writing of late that will presumably end up on this first album well I guess in those days I was mostly writing on 
piano. Yeah. And it was all pretty naive 21-year-old earnest piano ballads, <laughs> which I still love. Of course. <laughs> but I think just by way of ageing uh, nine years or, no, seven years. How long has it been? What are seven. we in? <laughs> yeah. Seven, nearly eight years. Um, <laughs> the subject matter is different. Yeah. And then musically speaking, I kind of... Uh, yeah, well, I'm writing I'm writing songs on piano, mandolin and dulcimer now, so they kind of are approached from a different way in, from the start. Mm-hmm. And it's more folky, but in a kind of bit of a dreamy, poppy, slightly weird Kate Bush kind of the way. It's <laughs> the worst description. That's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's really hard to describe your... Songs sometimes. Oh, totally. But yeah. um, <laughs> you'll have to wait and see. Yes, indeed. Yes, <laughs> the heights will be slightly weathering. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever so slightly. <laughs> Ever so slightly weathering. <laughs> <laughs> and as you mentioned, like uh, having the time away from exes has given you the chance to do a bunch of other stuff. Um, so Supergroup is part of that as well. Mm. Like, um, how has that kind of given you a sense of perspective on what it is that you do because like that was a term that was bandied around with exes as well no (laughs) well I thought yeah I mean ironically I think when we came up with that the name for the show I was like oh it's funny it's meant to be ironic yeah 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 but then you know it has kind of you know wound up being that the people on the bill are really extraordinary and I yeah. sort of just put the word out to people who I love and and would, you know, sort of have dreamed of playing with at some point and am always surprised when they come back and say yes. Um, yeah. So it is a silly, ironic title, but there yeah. are there are some lineups, myself excluded, that are, that, that are super group worthy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been – it's really fun. Has it been again another one of those things where you're just like, oh, maybe if you if you're free, like I don't know, we'll see it, and then they they're immediately like yes, and you're like, fuck, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, I think I knew that I was going to be recording my album next year, and 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 that exes sort of had decided to have some time off. So I it started as I just wanted to have a project that would be a real challenge, that would be yeah. kind of like a bridge between playing with exes and going back out completely alone into the world again. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I could do something which is with, you know, a bunch of different artists and I could try out two new songs each week yeah. and sort of ease my way back into it. But it, at, the concept sort of grew and grew and it came from – I've always loved – you know, folk festivals will do like in the round shows yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a real folky thing. And so it's like where you have three or four artists on one stage and you take turns to play a song each. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could do that but have people who are coming from quite different backgrounds and and then put a house band behind them and so that you can get a really big sound and you can see what it sounds like when you combine like, you know, Tim Rogers and Earth Boy and whoever else and what happens when you ask them to play songs together and that yeah so it's been really really fun and I think people say yes maybe because it is just different to the normal kind of thing and 
the Australian music community is such a lovely, loving, supportive community, I think. Yeah. You know, we often know each other fairly well or run into each other all the time but don't actually get to play together very often. So it's kind of really nice to have a chance to get on the stage and have a bit of a jam, if you will. Yeah, I think for that reason it's kind of been a popular idea. Yeah, especially since the first series went, well, it's been easier the second time around. The first time I'm like, so guys, I want to do this thing. Sounds crazy. And people are like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Just just writing all over the chalkboard. It's just like, no, okay, just hear me out. Yeah. (laughs) Just circling shit, yeah. Exactly. Initially, it was meant to be quite improvised on the spot, and that that made people pretty nervous. But now I sort of give everyone the opportunity to at least listen to the songs that people are going to play maybe the week ahead. But we still only rehearse for the first time in soundcheck, so it's very spontaneous kind of thing. Perfect. It must be liberating, though, to be at this point where you do have, like, multiple avenues to pursue music, whether that's, you know, through your own or with your friends or with, like, a dream lineup of your, you know, people that you look up to and people that you're peers with and stuff like that. Mm. Like, it's not just, it's not just, like, the one channel for the one thing. It's, like, it's burst from the singularity into this multitude now which is kind of I can imagine very liberating for a songwriter yeah definitely and that yeah that was another reason for wanting to do it so to kind of break up the the pattern of you know record in the studio go out on tour go back into the studio again go out on tour and sort of and where you're mostly spending time with yourself (laughs) and your bandmates and and I really love also what Supergroup has kind of allowed for, which is, you know, a bit of curation and getting to host and interview people because that part's really fun. All the chatting and all the kind of like fly by the seat of your pants kind of hope that the show is running together well and trying to organise people and trying to make people feel comfortable and, and also trying to, you know, sing along and jam and all that kind of thing is really exciting. So it is, yeah. It is really nice to have a different a different avenue to to write and explore songwriting, and I get to kind of glean all of the tips from all the people who are on stage, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, because we talk about our processes a lot, and because we're looking at the songs quite deeply, because we've got charts and we're like playing them and learning them, so it's yeah, kind of yeah, really yeah. fascinating to see how people write, and I love that. Absolutely, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So we've touched on just about everything but I, there's still one thing I need to know <laughs> the meaning of life yeah it's 42 right yeah yeah <laughs> alright perfect next topic uh, no I need to know something uh, I need to know about something larger than life <laughs> I get where you're going there with this. we go come on <laughs> You need to tell me everything. <laughs> Go on. Um, yes, well, you're referring to the Backstreet Boys, I assume. I mean, it could be anyone, really. <laughs> could be anyone. Oh, my God, they're back again. <laughs> they're back again. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> and they're sexual. Um, and original. <laughs> Some would say they're the only ones. <laughs> the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was pretty surreal. And I feel, like, I feel guilty for still talking about it now because it's been a few years. <laughs> Go on, get one, get one more in. Get one more in. You know when you think you're finished and then you leave and then you come back. Actually, you know what? Yes. Yes. Well, for the backstory, we did. We the backstory. Get it? Um, we got 
asked to open for the Backstreet Boys about a year into being a band and we we just played our last show was at the Vanguard. Right. So it was sort of like 200 people and then two days later we had to go and play Rod Laver Arena which was just Did you think it was a joke? Smacking. Did you see uh, the email this is like <laughs> yeah alright. Did you Fucking back to spam. <laughs> yeah. No, right, Nick Carter. If that is your real name. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely thought it was a joke. Definitely was jumping around like a schoolgirl for a long time. Mm. I mean the whole tour, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, was really giddy because I used to have posters of them on the wall. I used to kiss the posters goodnight, each one, um, and like pay particular attention to Nick Carter, who was As my favourite. Who was like 13 years old at the time? I mean, you, you realise that now. It's, I mean, I guess it's age appropriate when I was 13, but yeah, it's sure. but it's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, sometimes you see some of those people just like, oh yeah, you're like 40 now. I know, I know. Not even. They're only in their 30s That's and early 40s. Yeah, but awesome. they're on their 20 whatever it is now. Yeah, 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember they had done 250 shows of that tour and we had only and they'd been doing that particular tour for two years and we'd only been a band for one year and had probably done 15 shows yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it was very amazing yeah. learning experience yeah yeah. plus you got to kiss them goodnight in person so. <laughs> I did not get to kiss them goodnight yeah everyone every single in order <laughs> But it was so fun. And they were really fun. They jumped on stage with us and taught us all the moves. Oh, fuck it, yes. it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing X has been lacking in choreography. <laughs> yeah. A boy band behind yeah. us. Yeah, a boy band behind you. You guys rocking <laughs> the like... biggest the, boy the, band in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should be rocking those headset mics, you know. I have Madonna been mics. wanting them for so long. Right? That frees up both your hands to play mandolin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't have to stand in one place. Like, can do some of those moves I've been dying to exactly. do. Exactly. Uh, yep. <laughs> See how that goes. Exactly. We'll take it to the team. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests. <coughs> now it is your turn, Georgia. Sorry, I want to know. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. I'm, you're okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Good. Good. Fantastic. Okay. okay. Well, I want to know about the best and the worst <laughs> shows that you have ever played. Oh. Oh. Okay, the best and the worst shows ever played. Oh gosh, it's a tough one. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Okay, the worst show. I feel like. God, I mean, there's a lot to sift through. Look, I think the best show is probably as embarrassing it is, in terms of. Levels of joy, I think the Backstreet Boys shows yeah. were the best. We were just so excited. We didn't play particularly well. The house lights were still on and people were still very much wandering in, not really paying us any attention. And we also re- re- received like a barrage of messages before the show saying, who the fuck are these nobodies? <laughs> Woof. Yeah. So we were preparing to be booed off stage. But in actual fact, it was heaven. Um, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, <clears throat> worst show. Okay. We did play. Okay. No, this one. We went, once played at Newtown Festival. Mm-hmm. And I love Newtown Festival. But it was so windy and freezing. And I was wearing a very flappy dress. And the <laughs> every single photo that we got of that show just had my full undies. Just like... 
so much undies. I was gaffer taking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they were like granny undies with holes. It was not good. And oh I'd been God. gaffer taping my skirt to my legs. Like- <laughs> no, we were on the big stage. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since then, I have learnt that you don't wear a dress for an outdoor show. Yeah. But because um, not even, yeah, you <laughs> using gaffer tape to strap your legs to your dress <laughs> is a nightmare. And that becomes hard to sing. But um, yeah. It's too distracting. <laughs> There's been a lot of bad gigs. I'm sorry I haven't given you a better answer than that. But That's completely fine. About it. <laughs> there were no wrong answers. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Georgia, mm. thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for chatting to me. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Buffett.